the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Imagine keeping the law as God's demand for entrance to heaven. What a miserable lot we would be. Nobody would make it. Especially with the law God's given, huh? To obey the law for the purpose of attaining salvation, that would be horrible. Nobody, apart from Jesus Christ, has ever succeeded. The law is pretty exact, pretty demanding, and pretty intense, extensive. God has designed it that way, not so that we could make it to heaven based upon obedience to the law, but to show us our need for His grace. And that's the subject of our time today as we continue Romans here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us as we take a look at a message called Free From The Law, Oh Happy Condition. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. Paul uh, comes to Romans 7. I think maybe one of the most misunderstood chapters in the Bible. I'm not sure I understand it completely, but I'll share with you what I think I know. And uh, let me just bring you up to date on where we are in the book. Chapter 1, Paul says, my whole reason for writing Romans is, I want you to know the gospel that gives a man or woman a right standing with God. If you'll believe the gospel that I preach, you will come from the state of being a condemned sinner and you will move into a righteous status before God for time and eternity. That's why he writes the book, 1, 16 and 17. There's the theme verse of the book of Romans. Now, he spends the first chapter after that, verse 18 through chapter 2 through chapter 320, saying you need a right standing with God because God finds us as sinners. And these are the indictments against us. And boy, the first three chapters are... You're bad. You're bad. You're a sinner. All of sin are coming short of the glory of God. Over and over and over. He's saying you're depraved. You're fallen. You're worthy of judgment. You're worthy of the wrath of God. God doesn't have to apologize that he's angry with us. And he tells you why. Then he begins to give us good news and explain in chapter 3. And he develops it right through chapter 5. That God has brought Christ to rescue us. And Christ has satisfied God's outraged wrath. Christ has bought for himself a people. And God has imputed to us by faith the righteousness of Christ. Marvelous. He's transferred the righteousness of Christ to those who believe. Pardon the voice. Allergy. I can't, I can't hardly talk. And you probably feel blessed. Uh, I can't yell at you like I want. And uh, so we get this righteousness of God. 
chapter 6, 7, and 8. He's going to develop the dynamic that makes the Christian life work. The dynamic that makes Christianity work. Now, you've never seen a defeated Christian, so you don't need to study this stuff. But many Christians don't just get saved and soar to mountain heights, and that's it. The journey is more like this. And so, Romans 6 through 8 wants to tell you what the life of the justified in the Christian life is to look like. He'll start telling them practical things to do in chapter 12 and uh, how to treat government and how to do a lot of stuff. But he's giving you the spiritual dynamics of what it is to be justified before God. Well, that's before God. How do I live down here? How do I get through? Chapter 6 says, know this for sure. All the justified have been united with Christ. Union with Christ. And we want to live our life counting on the fact that we've been joined to him, identified with his death, identified with his resurrection, and we count on it every day. That is a fact, and we count on it. He comes to chapter 7, and as I understand it, he's going to give fuller amplification to two things he said in 6.14 and 6.15. And he's going to explain himself. Notice what it says in 6.14. He says, For sin shall not be your master. And he's argued that over and over in chapter 6. So say with me, sin is not the master of the justified. If you're justified by faith, sin remains in you but no longer can reign over you. It cannot master you. But I'm carnal. Get over it. The statement says sin cannot, and not on the basis of you, but on the basis of the salvation God's given you, sin, the sin principle within, cannot reign over the justified. And what else? Because You are not under law, but under grace, whatever that means. Who has ever lived under the law of Moses? Was it the Gentiles? You've never been under the law. You're going to be judged by it, according to Romans uh, 2.16, your conscience and the law agree that you're a sinner. But who lived under the law? God gave the law to Israel. Exodus 19, 10 commandments, 613 commandments, the law as a rule of life. But he says to this justified group, because his audience is largely Jewish Christians, in the Christian life, you don't have to remain under the law to live the life God expects. And Paul was charged, you're teaching we can be lawless. You're teaching you can do as you please in the Christian life. No law? Who's going to restrain you? Who's going to pull off the Christian life if you don't have rules? We need rules. We need rules. So we can break them. So we can break them. We need the rules. He says the Christian life is under grace, which means the unmerited favor of God is what is saving you, leading you, 
training you. You're not under law, which means obey or pay. Obey or pay. If you don't obey, I'm going to penalize you. We're not under the law of Moses, nor any kind of law. Now, I just wish you were all Jews because you don't even appreciate what I'm saying. You've been lawless all your life. But folks who lived under Judaism had to get their children circumcised, had to keep Sabbat, had to bring the right lamb. I want to tell you, this had to be revolutionary when they heard this. Then he goes to verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Yippee. No, by no means. Don't you know, then he goes on, that we have become servants of God. Now, knowing that, I think he jumps into chapter 7 to explain as a converted rabbi who has left Judaism and is now a believer reaching both Jews and Gentiles, he's going to develop and expand that argument in chapter 7. He's going to do an illustration in verses 1 through 3 about marriage. It's don't use this for a marriage conference because the goal isn't marriage. It's an illustration. He's going to apply what the illustration means in verses 4 through 6, and he's going to apply it to the Christian life. Verses 7 through 13 He's going to explain to you the effect of the law in the life of a Jew that tried to live under it. And we'll look next week at the verses 14 through 25 that are greatly debated. And here's the debate. Do verses 14 through 25 describe the normal Christian life? You'll have to read it before next week to even know. Is it, is it the Christian life being described in verses 14? And if you've got a MacArthur Bible, he says it absolutely is. And it's got a great footnote that uh, summarizes the arguments for this view. J.I. Packer takes the view. It's the most common view. James Boyce, among evangelicals, we probably use this the most. Lutherans have always said, with Luther on, that this it pictures the struggling Christian life because he saw the Christian life is always wrestling with how to keep the law and getting along. So one argument is this is the picture of the Christian life. I want to do good, but I don't. I don't want to do something, but I do it. And this is my perpetual struggle. This is my struggle. This is describing me. So this is the Christian life. And I've held that view. That's why you don't want to keep studying. Once in a while, God changes your mind. I don't think it's at all the Christian life in Romans seven fourteen. I think it's a Jew under the law. There's three, three things that Paul's going to give us, three laws. The law of Moses, the law of sin and death, and the law of the Spirit. Now, he has said in Romans 6, we are not under the law of sin. The sin principle has been broken as to its power over the Christian's life. If you don't believe that, you don't believe the gospel. You think you get saved from its penalty, but you can't get saved from its power. Anathema. I don't need a therapist to give me victory over sin. I need Christ. I need Christ. He breaks the power of addictive behavior. 
He breaks anything that sin can do. He does that or you don't believe the gospel of Romans. Two, I'm not under the law of Moses for my Christian life, but I'm under a new dispensation or a new order called grace. God will teach me to live for him under a different set of principles than the law. He uses grace. And thirdly, thirdly, when you throw law, the law of sin and the law of God together, you know what you have? You have a constant fight and a constant uh, combustion because the two cannot get along with each other. For the law can command you, but it cannot enable you. And the sin principle takes the law of God and breaks it, breaks it, breaks it, rebels. They can't live together to create the Christian life. So God says, I'm removing you from the law. I want to see that sin cannot reign over you. And you're under new management. The spirit himself will be the new rule of life that you live under. He's the energizer for the grace dispensation. The spirit is fulfilling in us the righteousness that we never could come up to under the law because it proved us to be rebels. And yet it produces the life of Christ without law. Look at the illustration verses one through three. Do you not know brothers For I am speaking to men who know the law. Now, most of you don't know the law unless you studied the Bible a long time. How many of you know the 613 commandments of the law? Go. How many of you have been bar mitzvahed? You don't know anything. You're just pagans that God saved. And this is the setting. But I'm talking to the Jewish Christian in my audience that's offended when I say we're not under law. That the law has authority over man only as long as he lives. For example, here's his illustration. By law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. Jewish women could not get a divorce. The man could divorce the woman, but she could not divorce the man. So if she divorces her husband and gets remarried, no matter what the cause, she's an adulteress. Really a candidate for stoning. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. Get the illustration. That under the law, the only way a woman in a marriage could ever be freed to marry again, ideally, was if her first husband died, then if she remarried, she's in a uh, favorable status. She's not seen as an adulteress. She's not seen as a law violator. You understand that? So if you want to get out of a bad marriage, just pray that he die. Um, you, you, the two favorite lines of mine in the bantering that went back and forth between Winston Churchill and Lady Astor, two things that are just magnificent. The one was, uh, she said, if you were my husband, I would put arsenic in your tea. And he said, and if I were your husband, I would drink it. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to be able to remarry, just, pr- you know, uh, And the other one, of course, you remember, she came down one morning, saw Winston, said, you're drunk. And he said, and you're ugly. (laughs) 
Then he said, but in the morning, I'll be sober. (laughs) So you want to get out of those kind of situations and under the law, you just hope somebody dies. And in this case, the woman who couldn't get a divorce, she was set free. And we understand that death, you can't go any further in a marriage and loyalty and faithfulness than death. Illustration. But you're left there. Why are you talking this way? What, what are you talking about? The application is verses 4 through 6. Why he told the story. He, now, you've got to get this application or you're going to be thinking of some way to buy arsenic. So, so look to the application. Verse 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another To him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit, his fruit. Do you see what he's saying? That through the death of Christ, you, you died. Now, in the illustration, he's talking about the husband died. But in his application, he's saying, guess what? Through your identification with Christ, God's giving you credit to having died to the law. How did you die to the law? You died to its penalty. The law says, the soul that sinneth shall die. I died. Did you die? He said you did. Who's true, God or you? He's been saying it all the way through chapter six. With Christ, you died to sin. Now he's saying, in Christ, you died to the law. He's switching gears. Six is dying to sin. Seven, I died to the law. Law, you can't do any more than you did to me at the cross. I broke your commandments. I will bear your penalty, but I bear it in the person of my substitute. So I've died to the law. Besides that, in Christ, I kept the law because he represented me in perfect obedience. So I've met all the demands I ever need before the law. So now what are you doing? I've been raised from the dead. Don't stop with me at the cross. You've got to go with me three days later to an empty tomb. And I've been raised in Christ that I may now bear fruit for him. Okay. I've become his bride to bear his fruit. Now notice what he says. For when we were controlled by The sinful nature. Wait, let's take a little grammar here. I always check you out on past tenses and present. Uh, How do you read this? Is this present tense or past? Why do we read it like, well, while I'm still being controlled by sin right now, God says the control of sin for you ended at the cross. And at the moment you believe Christ and were baptized into him, We died to the control of sin. It's over and over and over in Romans. Someone says, you preach a lot to Christians because I see a lot of defeated Christians. Do you? That still think I've been saved in the past, but I'm as miserable as I could be in the present because I'm still being bossed and slapped around by sin that I seem to be powerless to do anything about. 
yet it goes against everything God has promised you in Christ. And here's it. When we were controlled in the past by the sin nature or sin principle, the sinful passions, moods really, aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. Used to, uh, when we were in sin, the law can demand of us and we would rebel and only fruit that was death was born through us. And so we were miserable, very miserable and bore nothing but death. Well, he goes on. So now by dying to what once bound us, the law, we have been released from the, I can't hear you. What law? Law of Moses. So that we serve. Now I didn't say so that we boogie. So that we go and get drunk in the new way. No, no, no. We were released from this bondage that we might serve. We might serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What is he saying? The Christian life in no way is governed by the law of Moses. We are not under law. You couldn't keep it if you were under it. And Israel proved that. So, wait, let's step back. So you're saying, since I believed in Christ, I've been declared righteous in the heavens. And the way you get to live in a righteous life down here is, number one, no, you're not a slave to sin. God says that reign is ended in Christ. Is that so? What else? And by the way, there's no rule over you that God will penalize you. And God's got a bunch of rules for you to keep so that if you break them, he can penalize you. There's no such rules. They've all been kept by you. That's behind you. Well, what's left? What do I do? Oh, oh. I have brought you into the sphere of the spirit. And from now on, your life will be a Holy Spirit animated life. From now on, your ethics will be produced by the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. The Holy Spirit can do in you uh, what the law could never do. And the spirit will overcome that uh, rebellious principle in you called the sin principle he is no match. The, uh, the sin principle is no match for the Holy Spirit. He can break the power of sin in the Christian. I sure needed that as a young Christian. You know, one of the main reasons I did not want to become a Christian is I just knew I couldn't live it. I, I, I had my sister in the next room. I said, man, I, I can never live like Hazel. I don't want to. Matter of fact, she's not even getting married. You know, she's like a, a nun. She, she's given herself fully to the church and she's so sold out. I mean, I admire her, but I couldn't never live like her. Loved my aunts and different Christians. I admired them. I knew they were God's people. And I would be convicted in services. And uh, I went to quite a few altar calls. I, I could last three days because I'd get heavy and I'd feel burdened. But then I always would say, you can't live like these people, so don't even sign up. Because I thought of the dress code and all the prohibitions of our group, and there were many. 
and, and all that. I said, I, I just, I just can't. And all of a sudden, a new principle started working in me. I said, you want to, you, you want to please the one that died for you? Don't you? Yeah, yeah, do, Lord. I want Nobody threatening me. He created these desires to be right towards my mother, to uh, want to do this. To, uh, where's this coming from? I, I said, I can never live this way. I'm not made like these people. I wasn't when I thought that way. But when the spirit came in, I started thinking like spirit people. I wanted to please God. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855 833 9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.